0: As I said, a lot of uh, football-themed elements to the service today, and when thinking about the game tonight, it's amazing, isn't it, because uh, many people will watch the game for many different reasons. Some of them, if I've seen some uh, Kansas City jerseys in the room this morning, yet there are some you, you are cheering for your team. Uh, We had some 49ers fans in first service, any 49ers fans in, yeah. Yes, all right. We had a couple of 49ers fans. My daughter raised her hands. How long have you been a 49ers fan? Anyway, so there were a couple um, cheering on their team tonight. Others of you, you just love the great game of American football, okay? You love uh, the game, so maybe you're cheering for one team in particular, but you just love watching the game played. Uh, Sadly, you were born close to Chicago, so your team isn't in the uh, Super Bowl tonight, but but you love the game enough that you'll be watching every play, because you just love seeing the game played. Others of you, you're going to walk into the house that you're going to tonight, and there's going to be two directions. There's a TV over here, and there's a table full of food over here. And that's where you're headed, because you're there for the snacks. There's nothing better than Super Bowl Sunday and a table full of football-themed snacks. You cannot wait. You've already started with the meatballs this morning, and you are, you are already excited for tonight. And then others of you, myself, I'm in this category, you just love the commercials, Okay, the Super Bowl commercials. They're famous, aren't they? Every year, advertisers spend ridiculous amounts of money on this one commercial because they know that there will be 125 million people watching the game on TV tonight. That's a lot of people to put your product in front of. So while some of you are like hush in the room when the game's being played, I'm the guy that's hushing the room when it cuts to the commercials. They're like, guys, guys, quiet, quiet, look, Because I love it. I think they're brilliant. I love them. They're funny. They're creative. We get to see Bill Murray recreate Groundhog Day to sell a Jeep. Jim Carrey recreate the cable guy for Verizon. Dr. Evil from Austin Powers helps us want to buy a General Motors electric vehicle. It's just you never know what you're going to see. And there's something nostalgic about Super Bowl com- commercials. If you've been watching for years, you know, tonight we'll be, we'll be watching, wondering what's going to happen with the Clydesdale horses. Uh, will Pepsi or Coke do another kind of memorable, unique commercial? These are the products that seem to feature every single year. And thinking about it, and we're going to kind of talk about commercials today in this this message, and this whole idea behind advertising and commercials, the idea of a company wanting to spend huge amounts of money on advertising seems crazy. But at the end of the day, it's because they know that we want to know what we should be buying. They know that the general public wants a choice in their products. We don't want to just buy one laundry detergent. We want to know that there's several out there, and then we want to find out why the one we're buying is the best one, because it makes things whiter than white. So these companies, they they spend all this money trying to convince us that their product is the best in its field, and that we should buy it. But when it comes to commercials and advertising in general, if you think about it, there can be kind of a dark side to it all, can't there? I mean, think about it. Um, Let's say, for example, that uh, you are in the market for a new car, okay? Oh, no, actually, let's, let's change that. Let's say you're not in the market for a new car. You actually like your car. It drives well. There's nothing wrong with it. You have no problems with it. But suddenly, this commercial comes up. And basically, it's telling you in this commercial, I know you think you're happy driving your current car. I know there's nothing actually wrong with your current car. But when you're behind the wheel, do you feel like Matthew McConaughey? No, then you're not driving the right car. You should be driving a Lincoln. And you're like, you know what? It's right. I don't feel like Matthew McConaughey. I need a Lincoln. <laughs> and that's what these companies do. They don't just tell us about a product that we might like to buy if we happen to be in the market for it. They, they kind of tell us that, that what you've currently got isn't good enough. There's a better version out there. There's a newer model. Your product might work just fine, but did you know there's a new version of your product and you need it? Your life is incomplete without it. And it sounds crazy, doesn't it? It seems crazy that um, advertisers would expect us to believe something like that if if it wasn't for the fact that we this morning as followers of Jesus, we kind of understand the dilemma that we find ourselves in as mankind today. You see, those of us here who have made a decision to follow Jesus, we believe there is a God in heaven who loves us dearly. We believe he created the heavens and the earth. We believe that when he created mankind, that he created us in his image and he made us perfect. That was his plan from the beginning. But when we read the the origin story of mankind in the Bible, the the story in Genesis, we discover that, yes, God did create this perfect world. And all was perfect, but he gave mankind, he gave man and woman a uh, free will. He gave man and woman the choice to decide whether they were going to do right or do wrong. Because with free will, it meant that we could choose to love God or not love God. So rather than make us robots, he gave us free will. And, and originally, we read about Adam and Eve, they chose to love God and everything was perfect. But there was one tree that they weren't to eat from. And it says that one day, they made the mistake, they, they chose to disobey God. And as a result, uh, what we call sin, the bad things in the world, that, that came into the world at that point. And the world changed. The original plan that God had, the original world that God had created, changed. changed. It went from being perfect to a broken world. Let's look at one of the very first consequences of sin. One of the very first consequences of that, that choice to disobey. Genesis 2, verse 25 says, The man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That's the kind of world they lived in where there was no shame. But listen to what happened when they chose to do wrong, things changed. Genesis chapter three, just the very next chapter, it says, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. They both made the wrong decision. They both chose to disobey God. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. One of the very first consequences of sin was shame. Was now not being fully content in who God had made them to be. And that's continued on to this day. That sense of shame, that sense of brokenness, that sense of just just not being fully content in who we are. Feeling like there is something missing in our lives. And sadly, commercials and and I think media in general, it kind of feeds into this, doesn't it? It Tries to convince us that if we're feeling that brokenness and shame, if we feel like something is missing in our lives, then we can find that wholeness, we can find that contentment in stuff, in a product, in something like a car or a a beverage of some sort. That will fix that emptiness, that, that, that thing that seems to be missing in our lives. And it seems crazy. But we live in a world that's trying to fix something that's broken. And they're trying to fix it with all the wrong things. Because I believe that that wholeness, that contentment, that completeness, it can only be found in the restoration of a relationship with the person who made us in the first place. The person who knows everything about us and still loves us deeply. And who wants us to experience his love in our lives. Now, ironically, about 10 years ago, there was a company that put out a commercial that actually illustrated the problem with the brokenness of the world we live in. The impact it can have on us as people. It called it out. It identified the very challenge we deal with. We actually showed it about 10 years ago in Connect. I remember it was back at the middle school. And the reason I showed it was because it's such a powerful message And I was amazed because I was thinking about this idea this morning, how much it's even more powerful today. Because I think back then, it was um, just kind of the the media in general. But now, with the the rise of social media over the last 10 years, it's even more impactful. This commercial was created by uh, the beauty product company Dove. And uh, I want you to check it out here this morning. I'll talk about it after.
1: I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011.
2: I showed up to a place I would never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me
1: about your hair.
2: I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me.
1: Tell me about your chin.
2: It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw.
1: What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say, thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them.
2: All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe.
1: Today, I'm gonna ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm gonna ask you some general questions about their face.
2: She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute
0: nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes.
1: So here we are. this is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like.
0: Isn't that powerful? (laughs) Two images, one of what someone saw in themselves and one of what others saw in them. And just that uh, stark difference there, the view people had of themselves. And I think that's why the commercial was so powerful, because we, we understand that. We relate to that. Dove beauty products, you know, they're obviously marketing to women. And I think this is probably something that women may struggle with more than men. But the reality is, I think every one of us, every one of us on a regular basis, we tend to see ourselves differently than the way other people see us. We tend to look down on ourselves and, and even beyond the way other people see us, there's an even greater view of ourselves that I want to look at this morning. It's the way God sees you. It's who God sees when he looks at you this morning. His perfect creation, his beautiful child. And yet so often we, we get distracted by the voice of this world, whether it be commercials, marketing, social media, just our own perception of ourselves things people have said about us over our lives that are just stuck. And I think God wants to set some of us free this morning to begin a journey of believing that, that we are not who we've maybe defined ourselves as, but we are who God sees when he looks to us. So I wanna give you just two real simple truths here this morning, two truths that I find in Scripture that I think if we could, if we could live by these truths, they would change our whole view Of ourselves. The first one this morning is that you are loved for who you are, not what you do. You are loved for who you are. When God looks at you, He loves you for who you are. One of my favourite verses is in Matthew, one of the Gospels. It talks about the life of Jesus. And it's very early on, Matthew chapter 3. Jesus has just been baptised. and As he comes up out of the water, we read this incredible verse in verse 17. A voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son. He brings me great joy. This is my dearly loved son who brings me so much joy. God is talking about Jesus, his son, in this moment. And it's a great verse. It's a great verse of identity for Jesus to to realize, wow, God loves me so much. I bring him so much joy. But the key to this verse isn't what's said, it's when it is said. Because do you know what Jesus has done up to this point? Nothing. I mean, he has. He's lived 30 years of his life. But everything we think of when we think of Jesus, the the teaching, the miracles, the kindness that was shown to um, lepers and to women at wells, the, the dying on a cross, all these incredible things that we think of when we think of Jesus. And what he did, he's not done a single one of those things yet. And yet he hears this voice from heaven, his father saying, this is my son. My loved, dearly beloved son, he brings me so much pleasure. I'm so proud of him. Man, if we could understand that that's who God sees when he looks at us. He loves us so much just for who we are. I think as parents, if you're a parent in the room this morning, we get that just a little bit. We understand how God the Father could say that of Jesus. Because we have kids ourselves. I have three fantastic kids. I've got two boys and a girl. My sons, growing up, they played soccer from an early age. I used to love watching them play travel soccer, and then they played in high school, and I got to watch them play and play great games. I got to watch them score goals. I cheered for them. My daughter, she is so incredibly creative. She's just fantastic at art. And she comes home on a regular basis with something that she's made in school or in her ceramics class. And I'm like, that is incredible. How did you make that? It's just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. But as a dad, it didn't change anything. It wasn't like, oh, thank goodness they scored a goal. Thank goodness she made something. Because up till now, I wasn't sure if I even liked you. (laughs) But now I can see what you're producing. Okay, you can stick around for a bit. You know, I'm I'm kind of proud. No parent thinks like that, do they? We love it when our kids do great things. We love watching our kids and their activities, but it doesn't change how much we love them. We just love them. We're proud of them when they do well, but we still love them for who they are. That's who God sees when he looks at you this morning. Not what you've accomplished in life, not the achievements you've made, not all the things you've done that the world looks on at. No, God just loves you for you. Do you want to know how much he loves you this morning? A guy by the name of Paul, he's writing to the church in Rome and he's talking about God's love for mankind. Listen to what he says. This is is God speaking to you this morning. Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God loves us so much. He revealed his love to us in Jesus, his son that he sent to die for us. That's how much he loves you this morning. No need to feel pressure to perform or to do things to gain his love and acceptance because he loves you for who you are. And when we understand that, it not only changes our mindset on our behavior and the things that we try to do to to earn God's love, it not only changes our mindset on our behavior, I think it changes our mindset on how we view ourselves. We get to see ourselves through God's eyes, but, but maybe it'll change the way we see ourselves as well that we are so loved just for who we are. And we don't have to measure our worth by society and what people around us think. You know, as well as understanding that we are loved just for who we are, I think the second thing to be aware of this morning is that in this world of social media and filters on our Instagram feed and People Magazine's Sexiest Person Alive poll, I think we look and we ask the wrong question. We're like, what do I have to do to fit in? What do I have to do to, to measure up? What I, I think that's the wrong question. I think when we look at our lives through the, the eyes of Scripture, through what teaches, the question we should be asking this morning is Who am I on the inside? Who am I on the inside? We spend so much time focused on who we are on the outside, and, and understandably so, because the world seems to put so much value on that. But maybe the question, as follows of Jesus, we should be asking this morning is Who am I on the inside? Do you know, in the Old Testament, there's a wonderful story. Um, It's around the time of the first kings of Israel. And and the very first king of Israel was a man named Saul. And and God chose Saul to become the king of Israel. But Saul, he started off well, but he kind of went off the rails a little bit after a while. He kind of got a bit crazy. And uh, it became apparent that a new king was needed to rule over Israel. So in these days, there were prophets. And God spoke to a prophet by the name of Samuel. He said, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. One of Jesse's sons will become the next king of Israel. So you're going to go to Jesse's house and Jesse's going to bring his sons out and you're going to kind of walk along the line. You're going to meet all of his sons and then I'm going to tell you which one to anoint future king of Israel. You're going to pray for him. You're going to pour oil on his head and it'll be a, a key moment in that family's life because he will be the next king of Israel. So off Samuel goes. He meets with Jesse. He says, bring out your sons. Jesse has eight sons. He kind of lines them up. And there are some good-looking sons. I mean, some of these sons, they are strong. They're warriors. On the outside, I mean, they look like great material for a future king. And one by one, as Samuel moves down the line, he says, nope, it's not this one. It's not this one. It's not this one. He gets all the way through seven of eight sons. But they're the only seven there. He says to Jesse, is this it? Is this all your kids? He goes, well, I've got one more. He's the youngest. He's actually out in the fields right now looking after the goats. His name's David. I could bring him. Samuel says, yeah, bring David. I wanna meet him. In walks this young man, lined up against his brothers, does not look like material to be a king. But God speaks to Samuel, says, anoint David. He will be the next king of Israel. It doesn't make sense. When you look at his brothers, it makes no sense. But then God gives us just a little bit of insight into the way he works. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, he says to Samuel, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People judge by outward appearance. That's the world in which we live. But you know what? God sees through that. God sees our hearts. Some of us spend so much time and energy worrying about the outward appearance. And yet God sees our hearts. So why do we spend so much time and energy worrying about and and focusing on the outside? I think it's because the culture in which we live also spends so much time worrying about and focusing upon the way we look on the outside. I know we've talked about her a lot this morning, I'm going to mention her one more time and then that'll be it forever, I promise you, we won't mention Taylor Swift again. But last week, the Grammys took place and during the week I saw this little video clip and it was Taylor Swift and a friend of hers and they were about to go onto the red carpet before the Grammys. And it was kind of this candid shot of her, and and they were saying, hey, we're ready for you on the red carpet. And she says, okay. And you can see she's kind of starting to fix her hair and her makeup a little bit. And suddenly these people all appear out of nowhere. I don't know who they were, but they just start surrounding her. And one of them's like kind of fixing her hair. The other one's like touching up her lipstick, you know. And I get it. It's like that for me every Sunday morning, right before I come on stage. Crowd, I mean, we have people who do my hair, you know, who get me everything. (laughs) Yeah, not really. The length of preparation that goes into my coming up on stage is uh, me leaving my house on a Sunday morning and Casey saying to me, you're going to wear that shirt (laughs) with those shoes? I'm like, why? It's a brown shirt. No, it's a green shirt. It's not, it's a brown. And then we have a big three-minute discussion. We involve the kids as to whether my shirt really is brown or green and whether I can wear those shoes with it. But... But the reality is for me and Taylor, you know, it's tough because you're about to go out in front of a lot of people, you know, and that pressure to, to look right. And, and I was thinking about this poor lady is about to go out on the red carpet and just one bad picture, one hair out of place. There's so much pressure to look right on the outside. And it shouldn't be that way. But that's the world in which we live. And sadly, we're going to look at another video here real quick that illustrates just, just how much this, this affects our society, our culture. This, this video is going to be a picture of Julia Roberts and her talking about an experience that she had with this picture. Check this
2: out. I posted a picture of my niece and I from one weekend morning. She'd slept over, and we got up, and we having tea and playing cards and having this beautiful morning. It was great. I felt great about it. And my sweet little niece reposted it a couple of days later. And interesting things happened. The amount of people that felt absolutely required to talk about how terrible I looked in the picture. That I'm not aging well, that I look like a man. Why would I even post a picture like this when I look that terrible? People saying, God, I didn't even recognize her. This is what she looks like. And then the fights that break out within the comments where someone says, you should be nice. Why should I be nice? She looks terrible. And people start fighting within the comments. I was amazed at what that made me feel. And I'm a 50 year old woman and I know who I am. And still, my feelings got hurt. I was so hurt that people couldn't see the point of it, the sweetness of it, the absolute shining joy of that photo. And I thought, God, what if I was 15? That's just devastating. And it really made me see all the things about hearts and clicks and likes, and you realize there is something neurological about this whole system. It was fascinating to me, and I think it taught me a lot about being a young person in today's society. I post...
0: Isn't that powerful? I mean, that's Julia Roberts. She's a pretty woman, literally. (laughs) She is the pretty woman. And she's facing that kind of criticism. And how sad that that's the conversation going online. And as she points out, when I look at this picture, I see a beautiful moment of me playing cards with my niece. But man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. When we look at the heart of that picture, we see a lovely family experience. But sadly, we live in a world that's so focused on the outward appearance. I hope and pray this morning that you will hear the truth of God. That when God looks at you, he isn't distracted by the outward appearance. He isn't distracted by the achievements. He's not distracted by the things you've done well and the areas you've messed up in. He sees beyond all of that. And he sees your heart. And he loves you. He loves you so much this morning. Not for anything you've done, just for who you are. Forty years ago, Super Bowl Sunday... Apple Computers did a very famous commercial. It was this um, George Orwell kind of themed commercial. This woman was running. There was all these kind of people in black and white watching this big video screen. And she throws a hammer, smashes the screen. And the whole concept of the commercial at the very end became Apple's tagline for years to come. It was simply this, think different. Think different. That was the message Apple Computers had that day during that Super Bowl commercial. Tonight, as you're watching the game and the commercials come on and they tell you that you need this or you're missing something in your life, you're not happy without this, can you do me a favor? Think different. Think different. When you're online this week and you're on Instagram or Facebook and you're seeing some of those posts or you've got to post a picture of yourself and then you're like, I think I need to add a filter to that because I don't like this. How about we think different? How about we think about the fact that God loves us for who we are? that he looks at the inside, not the outside. And then we just try and drown out the voice outside of this this room this morning, that, that, that all this pressure to be something, to look a certain way. And we just realize that there is a God who loves us so much that he would send Jesus to die in our place. Because that's how much you mean to him this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, I, I know that this morning as I look out, I see a lot of faces, smiles and football jerseys and sports jerseys. But many of them, just beneath the surface, Lord, there's stuff that we don't see. There's struggles that people are having. There are uh, fears. There are self-worth issues, Lord. And, and a lot of that is because of the, the message this broken world sends. Advertisers capitalize on that. They say, you're not happy? Well, this will make you happy. Nothing this world has to offer will ever fill that void like you. So God, I pray for everyone here this morning, but especially those who just need to receive your love this morning, your value of who they are this morning. That God, you're not distracted by the outside, the comparison game that we play with one another. God, you see our hearts. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for everyone here this morning, Lord, that they would believe this, that they would make that choice to think different. In Jesus' name, amen.